Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Here's what satisfied me today, the way Julian Schwab wrote the script to the Fantasy Rush, which will be coming out shortly after you listen to this, I hope. Check it out. He handled so many of the wrinkles this week beautifully. So I'm excited um, for the final product. Speaking of final products, Matt, how have you, do you have a final product yet or are you still waiting on some of the later games now that we have a double header, I guess you could say on Monday night? For your fantasy matchups. Oh, I mean, in one league, I, I tweeted out the screenshot of this. I literally had to start. It's in a league that we're in together. Uh, in Oh, that one's rough. That's uh, rough. Oh, that is tough. It's 14 teams. It's super flex. So uh, I had Cam Newton and Ryan Tannehill this week. So I was pretty much ready to take the L. Uh, and I just started Taysom Hill at quarterback because that's the only, like, quarterback who's going to see the field and obviously I got 1.3 points actually not too too far off but I'm definitely going to lose that game almost no matter what happens Monday night so unless like Patrick Mahomes gets lost uh (laughs) on on his way to the stadium I'm going to lose that game on Monday night so yeah I'm pretty much like there are some I'm good some I'm real bad and the ones that are bad you know I already just like mentally accepted that that was going to happen to me yeah it's it's a crazy week but that's what the adventure is all about it was also a crazy week For Justin Herbert, who did an impressive job of hanging with TB12 for four quarters, let's talk about the Chargers at Tampa Bay. First off, we have to talk about the injury news, the unfortunate injury news. Austin Eckler left with a knee and hamstring issue that did not look good. I believe he was carted from the field. He was spotted post-game on crutches and a knee brace. Uh, He's expected to miss multiple weeks, according to Adam Schefter. Neither Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson did much to impress in relief work. Um, What are your thoughts on this backfield moving forward? Yeah, this was going to be a rough spot for any of the traditional ground game guys anyways, you know, whether it was Josh Kelly or Justin Jackson, because the Bucs have a really good defense, like on balance, that's been the strength of their team here in 2020, even though I think this was a really good day, obviously, for their passing attack. But so uh, I wasn't expecting much from Kelly to begin with. And then when Justin Jackson comes back, I think those two guys are probably you know relatively close um, in the pecking order. And I mean, I'm just not going to get that excited about Josh Kelly. I, I think he's like a nice player. He's a fine compliment. 
Um, I just have a really high opinion of Austin Eckler and like the ability that he brings to the offense. Um, at the same time, though, we've seen like I think Christian McCaffrey obviously is the superior player, but from like a stylistic perspective, I think McCaffrey and Eckler are pretty you know, close just in what they can do. But we've seen Mike Davis, another guy who I think is probably just a guy, become a really useful fantasy asset uh, in the in the wake of McCaffrey's injury. I'm not so certain that that's going to happen here uh, for the Chargers. So I'm not like that jacked up about Kelly. I'm not immediately going to like rank him where I would rank Austin Eckler because I think of course there's just a, a difference maker. And I don't think Kelly is a difference maker, but uh, he will certainly be a guy that's, you know, pretty much like an RB two for as long as Eckler's gone. And it's, but it's at the same time too, what is this offense at this point? You know, we, we Mike Williams is in and out of the lineup. Herbert's pretty good. Like to, to his credit, he was slinging it to guys that like no one's ever heard of today, making some really nice throws. Um, but you know, you're losing Eckler, who I mentioned. Like I said, I think he's a difference maker. There's still a unit that has some problems on the offensive line, so it's not as if Kelly's about to take the reins of a top five NFL offense or something like that. The benefit of Herbert, especially when streaming quarterbacks, becomes more of a realistic thing than we needed to maybe anticipate for, right? Like Cam Newton's probably not going to play in week five. The defense, which has always been a strong suit for the Chargers, remains banged up. And that's going to keep Justin Herbert doing what we're going to now say are Justin Herbert things. You know what I mean? Like finding these tall can especially if Mike Williams is out like it, it keeps opposing defenses guessing too because I don't think anybody was like oh you know what we we need to double team this Parham guy this this kid for sure you know so um I think he's someone interesting that remains on the streaming radar I believe the Chargers have the Washington football team next week um no that's the Rams not the Chargers in fact it's the other LA team um they have the Saints their their logo logos are saying because I because yeah. I had just looked at the like next week's schedule too I'm like oh yeah yeah L A uh, a little bright like yellow thing it's still tripping me out there's so much to get used to new team names new team <laughs> logos it's a lot of transition here well they will have uh, actually the Saints on Monday night so it'll be a primetime effort for Herbert and if he can hang under the bright lights well then can you imagine the superlatives that will be written about him on Tuesday morning my goodness let's talk about about Tom Brady and the Bucks, though, uh, because if there's anybody who gets superlatives written about them regularly, it's this guy. Uh, he recovered from another pick six to put up 369 yards and five touchdowns. What's most impressive about that? We mentioned how the Chargers defense was beat up, but no Chris Godwin in this one. He's also unlikely to play on Thursday. Noticeable injury to Mike Evans, who was in and out of the contest, but still put up seven catches for 122 yards and a score on just eight targets. Scotty Miller, who entered this one less than 100%, managed 83 yards and a score on seven targets. Interesting, again, to note that when um, you don't see Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller does have an increased profile. We also have to talk about O.J. Howard if we're talking about the pass catchers, though, because he's likely out for the season with a ruptured Achilles. So, again, Scotty Miller is now becoming part of our regular conversation. Yeah, no doubt. This is an offense that continues to change and evolve just by who's available to them, too. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's It's crazy, like... 
this is obviously by far the biggest and most productive game that we've gotten from the Bucks so far. And it's crazy that it, it still feels like we haven't got them all together, which is why, yeah. which is why people are, you know, intrigued by the potential of this team, by the ceiling of this team is because Brady's out here dropping 300 bills and five touchdowns. And there's no Chris Godwin, as you mentioned, like Scotty Miller also came into this, this week banged up. Like, there's still so much potential to mine out of this offense. And with the Saints looking, you know, I mean, they, they had a great they had a great game today, but you know, it's, it's the damn Lions. Like, right. the, I think the Bucks are in position to potentially win the NFC South if they can continue to, to click. And yeah, Brady, I don't I think we can like completely put to bed this idea that he might be. You know, to, to a point where he can't like cook. Like, I don't think he's looked cooked at all this season. There was a little bit like, ooh, week one, a couple of dicey throws, whatever. But it seems like that's been more and more, you know, to blame, like blame miscommunication for that. Blame the lack of timing for that. Well, it's a continuity issue, right? We talked about that heading into heading into the season, like the, the teams who had continuity leaning their way, especially with the craziness and the unprecedented offseason, were going to have an easier time throughout the month of September and early October. Yeah. And Brady and Evans, especially, I think where they were the two that looked the most off rhythm in initially. Week. Yeah. Yes. And now I think that's like been completely put to bed. I mean, he had like a Matt Asiata stat line last week where he had two tar- <laughs> like two catches, two yards for two touchdowns last week. Uh, and then obviously in this one, he's banged up, but still draws draws like the the best mat draws the best matchup draws everything out of this out of this passing game despite the injury and I think he and Brady are in rhythm now and that's great for Mike Evans it'll be great when when Chris Godwin does come back too so like I said I think there's still a higher ceiling to reach uh for for this offense and that is pretty exciting all right we the last thing Rojo obviously had the backfield to himself with Leonard Fournette out, 20 carries, 111 yards. This backfield is going to remain a guessing game, but obviously injuries make the situation more clear. Are you feeling more comfortable about the backfield, not just because of the availability of lesser a number, a lesser number of players, but because if we're talking about the receiving core in the passing game, there are, there are there's field stretching going on in a way um, that maybe didn't exist certainly last year. Yeah. Like when there's clarity, like there was today, it's, it's absolutely, you know, li- like fire the cannons for the bucks. Like that you want to play Ronald right. Jones, get in there, especially cause we're, we're seeing this passing game thing come together. That's good news for Jones who also caught right. six passes for 17 yards today. Uh, the only buck that I'm 100% sure is cooked is LaShawn McCoy. Like, McCoy hasn't lost a step. He's lost a few steps. So when Leonard Fournette is out of the picture, sure, Jones is great, but, you know, when Fournette gets back in there, then it's it's a total guessing game again. So I don't expect anything to change with that. Cleveland at Dallas was a lot of fun. 87 total points in this one. OBJ with a three-touchdown day, 81 yards and two touchdowns in the air, two carries for 73 yards and a touchdown in the rushing game. Only Kevin Stefanski would turn OBJ into a damn running back. Everybody's going to ask. We might as well talk about it. Is he officially back? Um, yeah, I mean, this this is always going to be in the range of outcomes for Beckham, because the one thing I think we've seen for sure is that he's back to being that like, legend in the form of like the legendary talent that I think he was when he was with 
New York. Like when he's he's been operating at peak form so far this year from an individual player perspective. But that's not always going to shine because of the way the Browns want to play offense. But yep. that's a hell of a, a you know a, a, a second punch to go to, right? Like two top ten backs in it. We can run at you all day long. That doesn't work, or we go off script. We are able to access Beckham, and I mean it is interesting that obviously if you take away the Landry touchdown throw, he has 44 yards and, and a one touchdown from uh, from Baker Mayfield. So that is kind of funny to look at it that way, but still doesn't matter. It's still Beckham out there making plays and, and Mayfield still continues to look pretty comfortable overall when this offense is on script. So, I mean, when you face good matchup against bad secondaries and I mean, Dallas come back to us, what are we doing on the defensive side of the football? Like, they're they're so exploitable back there. When you're in those spots with Beckham, you can absolutely play him, uh, but you also know the risk of that. So I think knowing that he's back to, to his peak form, I think, is important in the analysis, even though there's obviously a lot of other factors that go into him producing. But knowing that he's able to access that ceiling just just changes the outcomes for him in fantasy in terms of the full range. And all of that was baked into his ADP. I mean, you knew that you had an electric elite player. You just didn't know when or how consistently that was going to pop. And that's what we're seeing. And what a perfect alignment of planets, by the way, when you have Nick Chubb exit this contest and you have Kareem Hunt not at 100% even entering it, right? He was banged up all week. And yet you have a defense that can't stop much of anything. And so you can lean on OBJ. But interestingly, just because, and I want to make this point clear, because I'm watching OBJ. I have, uh, in that league we were talking about, I have OBJ. And so he is carrying the whole damn thing for me right now. Like, that is it. (laughs) But that's all. I mean, I started Auden Tate. You can cry for me. Um, But Baker Mayfield threw for 165 yards. Like, even in an effort where OBJ is tallying up the points, Baker Mayfield still has not been unleashed. I mean, his highest number of completions this season was week one, and that was 21. He only completed 19 damn boy threw the ball 30 times in a game that had 70 points total. Like, that is wild to me. It's not going to happen for Baker Mayfield in terms, like, I. you're not going to see, like, a 300, you're not going to see a Josh Allen stat line. That's it. Yeah, this is the training wheels offense here for, for Baker Mayfield, and I think that's honestly what he needs in order to be the most comfortable form of himself, in order to to be able to navigate this team. I don't know. I just, I think that he's, I think that, I think it, when things go off script for Baker, obviously they can be quite a disaster. I don't know. I mean, it's just so, May, Mayfield's just such a strange player because he comes, he obviously breaks the rookie touchdown record his first mm-hmm. season in the NFL with a bunch of Jags, and then he hasn't really made it happen with Beckham, you know, whatever. I don't know. He's a strange player, but I think this is the way the Browns want to play. And we probably should just, you know, be ready for that. And again, it just comes back to like, it comes back to Dallas for me too, because they give up over seven yards per carry to the Browns. And I know you could say, Oh yeah, well they let up a big run to Odell Beckham. No, Ernest Johnson is over seven yards per carry. Kareem Hunt is at 6.5. Nick Chubb before he leaves is over seven. 
Like they were getting run over and run defense wasn't even their biggest problem to me coming into right. this game. It was more the fact that like every week, at least like three guys are running wide open in that secondary. So, I mean, just what a mess for Dallas. It's a perfect, they're a perfect team for fantasy because their offense rules and their defense is terrible. And you're going to have Dak throwing 500 damn, 500 damn yards a game. Well, he did today, 500 passing yards and four touchdowns. So this defense certainly helps feed uh, an offense that is chocked full of potential playmakers. No, I mean, you had Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, and Zeke Elliott, and Cedric Wilson, I believe, all saw, all of them saw at least five targets. So I don't know if you can afford to sit any of these Cowboys, especially if Vegas is expecting a point total similarly to the one they did today. Yeah, you just always know that odds are somebody might end up, you know, left out in like, like last week, CD lamb was kind of left out this week. Michael Gallup was kind of left out. That's going to happen every now and again. Uh, but I think you want to end up breaking ties in favor of putting Cowboys yep. in your lineup, just because you know, that Dak can easily throw for 400 plus yards a game. Uh, New Orleans at Detroit. So there was no Michael Thomas today. The assumption was then that Alvin Kamara would become Drew Brees' main target. That wasn't incorrect. I think the surprise, though, I mean, Kamara did lead the Saints with 119 total yards and a score, but Latavius Murray, two touchdowns on 14 carries and 64 yards. Also, Traquan Smith showed up in a real way. I know that you had um, some feelings about Emmanuel Sanders finally finding a groove with Drew Brees last week, and that made more sense to me from a where Drew Brees is at right now perspective, uh, divorcing, of course, the obviousness that is the Detroit Lions' generosity. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been you know, sound all of the alarms if Drew Brees had not come through in this spot. But, you know, against a defense that was dead last in pressure rate coming into this week is coached by Matt Patricia. Like, what are you even, what does Matt Patricia even do? Like, what do you, what is it, what would you say you do here, Matt Patricia? Uh, like, <laughs> he comes through, he comes through in that spot. And he doesn't just, you know, I think this is important too. I know air yards are probably going to be like a banned phrase in New Orleans by the time the 2020 season is over because it's been a big talking point the first three weeks of the season, especially last Sunday night. But Breeze comes through with over eight air yards on his completions, over nine air yards on his attempts. Like he wasn't just like checking it down to Alvin Kamara and like bail me out by breaking 20 tackles on this screenplay to boost my stats or whatever. He actually was getting, like you said, a groove downfield. Emmanuel Sanders over 15 yards per catch, over 90 yards today. Traquan Smith over 13 yards per catch. And again, it's the easiest, the softest spot possible against the Detroit Lions defense. But it, again, if he had not done that, we would have been in like a total alarm type of situation, especially because the Saints defense is so banged up now. They're going right. to need more for this passing game uh, if they want. And they're still, they're still a pretty run heavy team. Like honestly, Latavius Murray showing up today. It's not that, that surprising because he had been a pretty, from a success rate standpoint, he'd been moving the ball pretty well on early downs, everything like that. And they've been running the ball a lot on early downs because I think they're aware that Breeze is a limited player at this point. But when we're talking about the Saints defense being banged up, I mean, no Lattimore, no Jenkins, and yet 
no Marvin Jones. I, I did ex- expect a big game from TJ Hawkinson, but I really thought when I saw that the other two cornerbacks in New Orleans were going to be out, that Marvin Jones wouldn't be shut out of this competition. I mean, two targets, one catch, nine yards. Galladay still did his thing. Thank goodness. Like, that's an expected um performance from Galladay at this point 62 yards and a score on four catches is not a whole lot though when you think about when you think about the back and forth and the damage that has been suffered by, uh, in the secondary for for New Orleans oh yeah I, I mean I think the Lions have been kind of disappointing all year from an offensive standpoint like they were a fun unit well, but, there was, there was, the first... but there was like last week you saw Galladay return and it was like oh okay like like he brings a next level so now this is supposed to be this is week one right this is where we're starting from and yet we're still walking along the same plateau yeah 206 yards for Stafford obviously he gets three touchdowns I just figured there'd be more here more from a vertical perspective everything like that Jones is a guy that I've never thought is like a star level player definitely not a number one receiver and he's coming off another injury you know it could just be sort of like he's getting up there he could just be starting to take a step back behind guys like Hawkinson in the passing game, theoretically, but Hawkinson's not necessarily putting up beefy yardage totals at any point either. So I think this passing game is just a little bit lost at sea right now, and I definitely expected more in this matchup for sure. Jacksonville at Cincinnati. um, Well, there was some history made in this one because Joe Burrow managed his first win as a professional, but that wasn't really the story from a fantasy perspective. The story was that Joe Mixon was the day's leading fantasy scorer in half-point PPR, 25 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, 30 and another TD through the air after being questionable with a chest injury coming into this one. It's almost like Mixon did in week four. Uh, if you would spread out those scores, what he should have done throughout the first four weeks of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's outside the top 30 running backs coming into this week. And now he's yeah. like a top 10 guy at the position. So cool. We're like right back on track from where you drafted him. Great. Yeah. Just pretend <laughs> Like you said, that's so smart. Just pretend that it's all been evenly spread out, and then you'll feel a lot better about the whole thing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is great to see for Mixon. It's great to see, like, that Burrow continues to remain on track. Like, Tyler Boyd's out there doing his thing. T. Higgins, four catches, 77 yards. Obviously a cake matchup against the Jacksonville defense that's sure. sort of trying to find itself. But I feel like you're going to be putting Mixon in your lineup with – a decent degree of confidence next week. You're not, I think you have to know that this is part of it, but, and now he gets, you know, he gets the Ravens next week. So are we going to immediately go back to 12 carries for 40 yards and, you know, nothing in the passing game? I, I, I think you can feel a little bit more confident about Mixon going forward from like a season long perspective. Uh, it's just going to obviously be a tough spot next week. Right. Week to week remains a conundrum especially when Joe Burrow is averaging 44 pass attempts per week. I mean, they're letting him put the ball in the air. 
next week is a very interesting, as you mentioned, test of his of his medal. Um, it's certainly a step up from from Jacksonville. But let, let's talk about Jacksonville, though, because, you know, Gardner Minshew was similarly, if we're talking about Joe Mixon, like, oh, my gosh, where has he been? Now what do we do with him moving forward? Well, last week on Thursday night, without DJ Chark available and Chris Conley playing quite horribly, um, Gardner Minshew wasn't great. Right. Like Gardner Mitchell was pretty was pretty bad and disappointing and everybody was gobsmacked, except he's had extra time. He gets Chark back. The Cincinnati defense, very generous, also missing two defensive uh, linemen. So he's not going to feel a ton of pressure. And yet he goes to work. Both of his touchdowns go to DJ Chark. I think he's pretty happy to have his number one wide receiver back. And James Robinson continues to work as a solid running back, 75 rushing yards on 17 carries. Yeah, and another 32 receiving yards for James Robinson, too, on four catches. So he's been, I mean, he's been a great find. Uh, Yeah, I think Chark makes a huge difference. Like, he's one of the better young receivers in the NFL. And I think the biggest thing that was frustrating from, from the Jaguars' perspective on Thursday Night Football it's like not, yeah, Chris Conley had a, a bad game, no doubt about it, uh, obviously. But it was that they just kind of promoted DJ Chark. I mean, uh, they just promoted Chris Conley and basically asked him to do all the things that DJ Chark does, which uh, I wouldn't ask Chris Conley to do DJ Chark things. He's not DJ Chark. DJ Chark's a better player. So I would have... I wanted to see them be a little more creative, like get LaVisca Chenault involved with some easy layup throws to get him in space and break tackles. They were sort of kind of doing that. And then the Fitzmagic, you know, Warhorse takes over and starts rolling and rolling over their defense. And then it just felt like they were, they got away from some creativity there. So yeah, I think Chark, when he's in place for this offense, it's a really big difference for Minshew and for everybody else, like the trickle-down effect as well. So then he remains a, a difference maker. It also looks like, and we talked about this on Fantasy Football Live this morning, that Justin Jefferson also remains a difference maker. Minnesota now has three big assets that you can, let's hope, count on. Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook all broke 100 yards. Cook with 130 and two touchdowns on the ground. You got Alexander Madison at the end of the game because please don't get Cook hurt at this point. Um, Kirk Cousins, you know, uh, doesn't Kirk Cousins doesn't look great, but at least now he has something else to lean on, which he desperately needs. Yeah, Justin Jefferson made the point too after the game. You know, this is my fourth professional football game. This is yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, it's my fourth professional football game. Like I'm still getting warmed up. We didn't have preseason. Like I'm kind of just getting started now, uh, and that's cool. Like I like that uh, because this guy's really good. Like, and he was mm-hmm. the type of player. It was so it was so strange that all the rumors coming out of camp were that he had sort of you know fallen off. That he had he had not grabbed that starting spot right away. Maybe Minnesota was just being like too hard on the rookie or something like that. Cause I thought this guy was such a pro ready talent at LSU. I mean, yeah. Would it surprise you that uh, Mike Zimmer Zimmer might be be a little bit old school, might be a little bit too hard ass for their own good. No, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I think that Jefferson coming along is not surprising because he's that type of guy, the type of crafty player that can make an immediate impact from the pro level. And I think we're starting to see it now Two, two obviously, you know, decent, like a, a decent matchup here against Houston, Texas defense is not sure. very good, 
nevertheless, I think he's firmly in place and established in this offense now. When you think about the Houston Texans record, they are 0-4 now. And you think about Deshaun Watson putting the team on his back, and then you watch B.O.B., uh, give the ball to David Johnson at the goal line repeatedly, even though designed runs are a thing and you have a quarterback with that skill set. Um, who do you feel worse for at this point, Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz? Oh, uh, uh, oh, it's Deshaun Watson because, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, I like who has it worse off? I think Wentz has it worse off because, like, we're, we got Sunday, Sunday Night Football's on right now. Uh, he's playing with, like, a practice squad group of receivers and a practice squad group of offensive linemen. But in terms of who I feel worse for, I feel worse for Deshaun Watson. It stings so much war, more. Stings worse. It stings uh, because we like Deshaun Watson. That's not to say mm-hmm. I don't like Carson Wentz, but just think there's much more potential to uh, unravel for Deshaun Watson than there is for Carson Wentz at this point of his career. But I mean, yeah, Carson Wentz would like, I mean, he might, he would, he would do some, some bad things, uh, you know, and a good, this good fellow, this good old boy would do some bad things to have Will Fuller or Brandon cooks uh, Uh run routes for him at this point. That is fair. But also the fact that Deshaun Watson in 2019 averaged 27.5 rushing yards per contest and has yet to even clear that number. Now he did manage 27 in week one, but where is the mobility out of Watson? Why is this part of him not being utilized more frequently, consistently? I mean, he's got Jacksonville next week, so please, I mean, he's got to rush for at least over 30 yards next week. But I find that incredibly frustrating, and it's something that now we have to, like, bake into our conscience when we are planning where to rank and how to start these players and how to, you know, deal with roster construction. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, his rushing production has gone down each year of his career. 38.4 yards per game uh, his rookie season, 34.4 his second season, then 27.5 last year, like you mentioned. Now we're down to 16. Uh, from a fantasy angle, that makes a really, really big difference. Obviously, the touchdowns were there last year, seven touchdowns on the ground. I think that'll that'll come at some point, too, this year, but maybe not to the point where he's going to have seven. So, yeah, I mean, it, that is that is definitely problematic when projecting him for fantasy, for sure. It's hard if you're Washington to imagine many silver linings, but there is one. The Ravens had not allowed a rushing touchdown this season until today because, yo, the same guy that you and I were getting tissed about a little bit for ranking aggressively, Antonio Gibson, with 128 total yards and a touchdown on the ground. Where, I I, I mean, when I think, obviously we should mention, right, Terry McLaurin was banged up in this one but still had a big game, 10 catches, 118 yards, this is it, right? You got Gibson and McLaurin. This is it. Yeah, exactly. Like, these are the two young foundation. They don't have a lot of them. But these nope. are the two like young foundation pieces that Washington has on offense. I mean, for Gibson now at this point, he's been getting goal. Like that Peyton Barber goal line. Oh, that was, uh That's like a thousand years ago now. Well, point. he also got stuff. Peyton Barber got stuff today. It didn't work out for him. Like they tried <laughs> Like Gibson, Gibson's been getting work around the goal line too, you know? So that's, that's really good to see. Like he has all the things you want other than he plays on an offense uh, that is not good. And for McLaurin too, 
I don't know how you ever feel comfortable benching this guy. I mean, he didn't go crazy today, but he had 14 targets. That's a career high for him. Uh, he had 10 catches today, 118 yards. Like you said, he's a, he's a total baller in like the, the absolute worst spot you could possibly imagine for a young receiver. He's going against the Ravens. He's coming in banged up. And he's also coming in with this quarterback, like marred in all of these questions about his job security. So yeah. these two guys, this is, they are, they are the guys for Washington. Um, we just will always say for the rest of 2020 and you know maybe beyond that, uh, we just wish they were playing for a better offense. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, let's talk about Baltimore. You know, just standard, easy win. Uh, Lamar Jackson after a, a not quite, uh, well, let's call it underwhelming. After an underwhelming performance in week three, he answers with two passing touchdowns to Mark Andrews, who catches both of them, thankfully, and a rushing touchdown. Um Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards all continue to split the backfield work. Hollywood Brown had 86 yards, but barely missed out on two big plays. I feel, and I feel like you would agree in this, a breakout game is on the horizon. Yeah, and he plays the Bengals next week. Uh, so could oh. easily be on the horizon in terms of week five. They, he gets the Eagles after that. I'm watching Darius Slay limp around here on Sunday Night Football. So, yeah, it's it's definitely – I think it's coming for Marquise Brown. He came into week four with a 36% share of the team air yards. That was ninth among all pass catchers. Then this past week he has a 62% share. So Sunday night and Monday night, you know, not included – that leads all players right now. So that breakout is coming for Marquise Brown. He's just been, you know, this close, obviously, to missing a few big plays. Almost had a big play from uh, from RG3, but that ball, you know, the human victory cigar himself, Robert Griffin III, went out for a revenge game, a revenge game against his former team and threw an interception right away while, while it's already Marquise Brown. So rough day, you know, just another day at the office uh, for, for the Baltimore Ravens. Just another day at the office for Russell Wilson as well. I mean, his headset goes out, no problem. He'll just impro uh, a, f a series in the fourth quarter that results in a 19-yard touchdown to David Moore. Seattle now 4-0 with another W. Chris Carson left this game with a possible concussion, but he returned to put up 80 yards and two touchdowns. So whatever... And this is a reference to our friend Chris Harris. Please don't let me get subtweeted or added at uh, whatever Petey Sunshine is doling out in that locker room. Clearly, it is working. I do have a question, though. Tyler Lockett, very, very quiet. At one point, had, uh, I believe, only drawn one target throughout the first half of the contest. What were you thinking? As someone who, you know, helped uh, con conceive Tyler Lockett, what were your thoughts? I was praying for you. I mean, uh, I pretty much, you know, my thoughts were for all of the uh, fun times I had last week having him on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Like literally almost every fantasy team I have Tyler Lockett on. So pretty much just like this is the ups and downs of life. Sometimes you're going to score three touchdowns and be the top fantasy receiver of the week. Sometimes you're going to have no catches going into the fourth quarter. So I just, you know, because I'm a well-balanced, centered individual, mm -hmm. just was like, okay, you know, had I had my fun last week. I'm not, I'm not having as much fun right now, but that's okay. Sometimes you can live with that. Ups and downs, that is life. Um, the Miami Dolphins as a franchise certainly understand ups and downs, but 
you know, it was interesting because I feel like the first half of this game, I had made some pretty bold-ish uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick predictions. And then I was like, oh, God, did the magic run out? Come on, we need to well, – what's, what's happening here? And I think the – like, something about Fitzpatrick that you're not – you hear like, oh, the Miami defense – is is not particularly good. Byron Jones has been banged up, and we know Seattle's generous against the pass, right? So, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is loading up on points via the run. Like he scored again, he scored another rushing touchdown this week. That has been a sneaky part of his fantasy production. Yeah, that's like always part of the fifth show is that it's he's going to rip it downfield and he's going to have some decent rushing production, like better than you think, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, my my favorite part of the Miami uh, box score in this one is that Jordan Howard does indeed continue his quest to like, I don't know, have a Jerome Bettis type of season didn't score a touchdown in this one, but he maintained that average of a yard. Right. That is a very good point. Um, that's it. Like, I don't I don't know what else we say. I mean, there's maybe it makes sense why he's been on, I don't know, four teams in five years or something like that. And they keep trying to gas like Miles Gaskin. They keep trying to gas this guy up. Um, There's just never going to be a situation where I'm going to play Miles Gaskin in fantasy and be excited about it. Like, uh, give me a break. I mean, it's going to take a, a couple of injuries to the rest of the receiving court because he does have a pass catching ability. Um, so I can see if they're paying if they're playing catch up in a really PPR friendly league. Like the question is, do you want do you want the Miami? If we're going to talk about Miami's defense and how they're really generous, we have to talk about the fact that they're probably never going to have a damn lead, and so they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. So do you really want to invest in this backfield? That becomes like the question. It's like, do you want any piece of Chris Thompson in Jacksonville? Uh, probably not because, right, all right. So Devontae Parker, 110 yards on 10 catches, 12 targets. He's the team's wide receiver one. Let's move on to Arizona at Carolina. Now that Joe Mixon had his big fantasy day, fantasy Twitter turned the evil eye to Kenyon Drake. 13 rushes for 35 yards. That's good for, if you want to talk about efficiency, 2.7 yards per carry in the loss. Um, shut out in the passing game as well. That all belongs to Chase Edmonds. We talked about in that that in, I believe, FFL as well as the halftime show, as well as last week. I don't believe that Drake drew a single target. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds is catching touchdowns via the air. Yep, confirmed. Uh, came into this game with five five catches or something like that, and he leaves with uh, either five catches or five targets. I don't care. Either way, not enough. It's not enough. Uh, Liz, you were definitely one of the people that were pretty much out on Kenyon Drake because uh, you would have liked to have seen it over a full season sample. Um, we're getting, like, every other version of Kenyon Drake except the version that finished last year, Kenyon Drake. So not great. And let's be honest, too, like, I think – all of the exciting Kyler Murray runs. And I mean, he might be one of the best pure runners in the NFL. Uh, And all of the great chemistry between him and DeAndre Hopkins had sort of kind of masked the fact that Arizona's offense has not been that great. Like from a passing game perspective, they were bottom 10 in passing a success rate. They're not, they have not overall been a productive, consistent chain moving offense. Um, Their ground game obviously is not completely coming together outside of when Murray scrambles it. So, so far, Arizona has not 
looked like the type of team we expected. And this was supposed to be a great spot for them to rebound. They didn't quite hit it. I mean, Murray has another great fantasy game. Like, all these, all these, all this Murray negativity that I'm, I'm spewing here, it has not mattered one bit for fantasy. I mean, the guy averages like 4.3 yards per pass attempt today, still scores three touchdowns, still runs for 78 yards. I've got him on a fantasy team and I don't care one damn bit about any of this stuff from projecting at that angle. Right. And next, next week they get the jets and, Kenny and Drake bricks it in this spot. They just don't look like the type of team that's going to hit the layups right now because they're just, whatever, for whatever reason, not completely coalescing. But are we not going to have the same conversation about Kenny and Drake next week when they're playing the damn Jets? We probably are. I mean, we don't know how healthy DeAndre Hopkins is, right? Like, that might there that might be contributing in, in some way. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just think we need to mention that. I also find it really concerning that that uh, Kyler Murray is averaging more rushing yards per week than the team's running back, Kenyon Drake. Murray now has, um, he's averaging 66 rushing yards per week to Jake, to Drake 63 and a half. That ain't great. That's not certainly not like a 10 spot, a 12 spot, you know, 13th overall pick in your fantasy draft. Great. No, it's not. No, it is not. Uh, let's talk about, um, Carolina, though, because I think, and I'm sure the guys will get into this on tomorrow's podcast, but Teddy Bridgewater has been putting together some decent efforts. And, you know, he's spreading the wealth around. He had two passing touchdowns, another on the ground, which was, I thought, pretty exciting to see. He gets Atlanta next week. So if you are needing a stream at the position, we know he's in a spot to produce, and we can pretty much see what's going to happen. Now, we we're talking again about bad defenses being good for fantasy offenses on the same team. That's what Teddy B is dealing with when he faces a Falcons defense next week. Now he's part of the streaming conversation. Also, Mike Davis doing, you mentioned it at the top of the show, he's doing like yeoman's work here, 111 total yards and a touchdown. I don't think any, but I'm a Bears fan-ish, right? I remember week one of last year, and I was like, Mike Davis, are you this still? When he was added to Carolina and CMC went down, I was like, I mean, sure, volume. I got to see it to believe it. But now I guess I believe it. Yeah, I mean, he's been getting great usage. Like everything that you'd want, uh, he's getting. And, he, and he's he's not just plodding around out there. He looks pretty no. good. He's making guys miss. Like he looks like a legit – like I think – It'd be really nice. It would be really nice to see him still have a role once uh, Christian McCaffrey gets back. You know, I well, mean, the broadcasters were saying that, right? If you are seeing, like, maybe he's, or maybe you don't need to gas Christian McCaffrey all the time, especially if he's coming back from what a high ankle sprain, right? So, like, maybe you can keep Christian McCaffrey a little bit more fresh and use Mike Davis because he is certainly usable. Right, and. I mean, it's a little bit tilting if you're a DJ Moore uh, fantasy drafter oh, that sure. Robbie Anderson is like cr- just absolutely crushing it every week. I think the Anderson signing was like underrated because he's a good player. Uh, I mean, I kept th- I I really wanted to send out a snarky tweet about hey man, the Jets sure could use a, a receiver like Robbie Anderson, but knowing the Jets' luck here in 2020, he'd probably just get hurt anyways if he was still on their roster. So it doesn't really matter. But um, he's been great for Carolina. Curtis Samuel, was he came up with a couple of big catches today. And then DJ Moore, though, another sort of under – he hasn't scored a touchdown, 49 yards today in what looks like a really good bounce-back spot. Now going to be playing the Falcons next week. So, again, 
we're going to be doing the same thing with uh, DJ Moore that we did this past week uh, going into a game against the Falcons where we're excited about him and he's likely to bounce back. Um, did you fall asleep during the Giants at Rams game? I did. Oh, let's just the Giants game, the Giants and Rams game and the Colts Bears game. Oh, did those uh, even like did those even happen? Like once I go to sleep tonight, I'll probably never think like I'll never think back to those moments in my life that I spent in this room looking at the screen watching Philip Rivers with the Colts and Nick Foles <laughs> with the Bears. I'll never I'll never think about that again. It was it was a little bit weird because I remembered like last I was thinking about the pod and how last week or even our our fantasy halftime show at the top of it, you know, our producers were like, well, there hasn't been a whole lot in the beginning games in the morning games. Like there hasn't been a whole lot of fantasy production. And then things really started to kick up. And I feel like we got the inverse reverse, whatever of that were like there was a lot of excitement in the morning games. And then it all just sort of petered out. Save Buffalo at Las Vegas, I guess. But I mean, if we're going to talk about the Giants and the Rams, twenty six total points. Woohoo! Um, you know, it's not great when you're like when you're watching Red Zone and it's <laughs> like you get annoyed when that game keeps coming back up. Like you know, like I'm I'm mostly dialed into the Bills because they're fun and like I enjoy watching them. And then whenever they cut away from the Bills uh, Raiders. And the damn bears and Colts come back. Ugh! You get the she's no. Come on, I know well, you're not I mean, the controls there, Scott. But flip this thing around. Siciliano was really leaning into the whole like me and me and the punter, me and Hacker. We got this thing. I got to show you the pumps. It's part of a deal we made. We had this Twitter Twitter joke back and forth about it. And I was like, you're showing us the punts because there's nothing else going on. Like that's not why I'm watching this. We should mention. And and I know it might be a little bit of a sore spot, except I also know that you're a professional and you move on to next week. But eh, as part of the whole experience and theater of this, Daryl Henderson Jr., who you really talked up, Matt, he let managers down in an, a, in an expected smash spot. Eight carries, 22 yards. Have you seen Daryl Henderson? I mean, look, what an, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> what did I say? What did I say all freaking offseason? The Rams are going to be a committee. Running back. committee. Yeah. They're going to be a committee. Sean McVay keeps telling us they're going to be a committee. It's not going to be easy to predict. And I mean, I think all my analysis this morning about Daryl Henderson was right. He looked like what he's been. He's been awesome. Like I, I sent the damn tweet out like five minutes into this game. Like the stats do not lie with Daryl Henderson. This guy looks great. He had a couple of great carries against the giants and then it's gone. I don't know where he went. Um, I don't know if he said something mean to Sean McVay on the sideline. Well, whatever he said, it wasn't anything that Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey said to one another. That was the most exciting part of this game. Shout out uh, to my friend John Shipley. He covers the Jacksonville Jaguars at underscore John underscore Shipley. Get too many underscores, man. Uh, he covers the Jaguars for, I think, SI, uh, SI and Maven and all that. He quote tweeted that fight between Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate with just the hashtag, hashtag football is family. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the problem because it – was family <laughs> well, uh, all right so let's get out of that one if you guys don't know the story about why the football is family between those two players just go ahead and google it. it'll come up right away buffalo at las vegas um 
The Bills stay perfect in this one. Josh Allen under. Thank you very much. 300 passing yards with 288. Three total touchdowns. Two in the air. One on the ground. He is hashtag unstoppable. Maybe he is Mr. Unlimited. That was horrible. He's no longer responsible for 100% of the touchdowns for the Buffalo Bills, though, because Devin Singletary managed to get uh, in a rushing touchdown. Start all your running backs against the Raiders. That continues to be a theme. Yeah, Allen in this one, like we don't see this often. We don't get a lot of good news when it comes to injuries here in 2020, but he went down on a, a wild, right. like fourth down oh. peak Josh Allen play. Uh, he comes up, you know, grabbing at his shoulder or his wrist or his hand or something, but he came back in there. That was good to see. Uh, him and Stefan Diggs are just on fire. John Brown didn't end up with like a huge statistical game despite coming in seemingly pretty questionable on this one, but he was like inches away from an awesome touch. I think it should have been a touchdown, but I'm a biased source. So the Bills offense continues to cook. Uh, Gabriel Davis, by the way, the opening touchdown. Gabriel Davis, your guy. Uh, he has over the past three weeks scored or cleared 80 yards um, since week two. So I'm enjoying him still, by the way, only rostered in 2% of Yahoo leagues and your boy, Stefan Diggs. I mean, he just scores, he just like tallies up over a hundred yards and or scores every week. Now, this is the new expectation. When do we put him inside of our top 10? Who's bold enough to do it? I think I might've done it this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did it too. So, I mean, we're, we're already there, but you know, classic, uh, Liz Harmon sort of ahead of the curve. Oh yeah, definitely. TM, TM, TM. Josh Jacobs, 15 carries, 48 yards. Darren Waller, 88 yards on nine catches. We knew that the Bills were going to try to take away Darren Waller. The Patriots showed them the blueprint. They are able to do it. They did it with Higby last week. This shouldn't be that surprising. Derek Carr, though, woo! you want to talk about spreading it around. He gave Herbert a little run for his money here. Getting Nelson Aguilar into the end zone. Getting Jason Witten back into the end. What is that? Jason Witten scores... Because it is not 2020, you are mistaken. It is 2012. Yeah, except he's in a Raiders uniform. Like of all the weird sights and sounds of 2020 it's football, it's perfect. It's perfect. Like there's no fans in the sand. That's weird. There's people wearing masks on the sideline, except John Gruden. That guy does not know how to wear a mask. <laughs> it's a good thing. Good thing my guy John Gruden signed a hundred million dollar contract a few years back because he's going to be shelling out a lot of cash. But he's already had the Rona, so uh, maybe he feels like because he has the antibodies, he's safe and no one else matters. I guess, but the NFL keeps fighting him. You think eventually just pull that thing over your nose. You would think in a week when a, like a marquee quarterback tests positive and you've got two teams rescheduling, you might want to follow the rules, but nah, that's the beauty of the Raiders. They're the bad boys. He's a maverick, yeah. So those things are all weird to see. Um but the weirdest thing is Jason Witten in a uh, Raiders uniform. That that like of all the players changing teams, I can't quite, I can't quite get that one calibrated quite correctly. I thought it was great. You point out Nelson Aguilar, you know Thursday Night Football starting or whatever. We've got the inactives coming in for or like the starting lineup for the damn Eagles for their receivers. Meanwhile, Nelson Aguilar, not even just a touchdown catch, but like an awesome contested touch, yeah. touchdown catch for Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more just twist of it for Eagles fans right there. 
All right, Indianapolis at Chicago because we have to. The best part of this game for me was seeing Mo Cox score. He is going to be a thing if we are looking at the pass-catching options available to Phillip Rivers. Don't forget, no Paris Campbell. Uh, Michael Pittman is on IR as well. T.Y. Hilton's dealing with his own stuff. The most athletic option is Mo Cox. I think that he has to be part of like a top 12 conversation. I think he has scored now in back-to-back-to-back efforts. Um, So he remains a streaming option at the tight end position, still pretty available. He was on my deep sleepers list, so I know that he was available heading into the week. I imagine that he's going to be a target on the waiver wire this week after another big performance. Allen Robinson, I mean, just when you thought all was lost... The big man comes in and delivers. It may not have meant anything to the Bears. I appreciated the broadcasting crew, like, feigning excitement about there potentially being a game here. was really great acting, but thank you, Allen Robinson, for saving some. The only touchdown for Chicago. The only touchdown for Chicago. Yo, I played Cordell Patterson in a a league. That's how grim stuff was. Um, uh, David Montgomery, 10 carries, 27 yards. Blurg... uh, also, just another wonderful moment was I'm like, yeah, Dave Montgomery, he just, you know, he is unrelenting, always just driving right up the middle. And I was like driving right up the middle and like being pulled back into the backfield. That is the only play that Matt Nagy will ever draw up for this player. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Uh, yeah, I know he gets the volume boost theoretically without Tariq Cohen, but I'm not I'm not that jazzed up about Montgomery. Cohen. Yo, when you're signing Lamar Miller to the practice squad, like any sort of glimmer of hope, like that move just meant that move means so much more about Matt Nagy's feelings about David Montgomery than maybe will a- ever bear out. But I was just like, okay, we're, we're I got you, I got you. You're not lying. You're being very obvious here. Uh, let's talk. Atlanta at Green Bay. Uh, I'm guessing you're just going to say, yeah, play all the players. Start all the players. Yeah, play whoever the hell's left for Green <laughs> Bay. <laughs> you know, you got your guy Robert Tanyan out there. Um, yeah. yeah that makes a good streaming play. Um, and then, I, obviously, we know who, what we're doing with Atlanta. Two pretty highly questionable receivers coming into this one with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. But hopefully by now you've already made peace with your respective gods. Uh, about what's going to happen with that because it's not like you're going to who are you going to play instead of him let's see you left yourself in this situation or they're on your bench and if Adams goes out there and catches you know 10 passes from Aaron Rodgers because he's dialed in you've, you've made again you've made your piece with that again I, just personally though like I what I would like to hear what you like to do sometimes this bites me but like I will prefer to hedge that I can start a stud like Julio or Devante and like risk it a little bit, then start some, I don't know, uh, name a Jets, Tim Patrick, right? Like, even though he ended up finding the end zone, like, I'm not going to, like, roll out Tim Patrick as, like, the floor option when Devontae Adams is probably, because of the extra time, going to play. You know what irritates me, too? I agree with you. That's what I prefer to do because it's just, it's a fantasy football is so much like, what can you live with? And I cannot live with not playing you know, Devontae Adams, if he has a shot to go. If it's looking real negative, like last week with Julio Jones, it was looking real negative. Didn't expect him to play. Obviously, he does not. Uh, Same with Adams on Sunday Night Football with uh, that game against the Saints. Expected that one. 
so, but when there, there's a decent chance like there is this week, I'd rather risk it. What always irritates me though, is when you get insert fantasy analyst here saying you can put, you can chance Devonte Adams, but make sure you have somebody else from Monday night football. Obviously now we've got a double header. So take that out of the equation for a second. Make sure you got somebody else from Monday night football, just in case he doesn't go. Well, who the hell are you playing from green Bay? Like right. half their team's injured. Now you're going to pick up, you're going to tell them, pick up Jace Sternberger just in case. What are we t- what are we talking about here? Like did some of these, go- would you go grab Jeff Janis off the practice squad? What are we What are we talking about? You're just saying something just to say something. It's also not a pivot, right? Like when they're like you, you get ready to pivot. You're not pivoting. That's not pivoting. That's like sitting down. In fact, that is just like having a seat. It is not pivoting because you are not upright as you are making that movement. Um, New England at Kansas City. Developing situation, I'm assuming you're playing those players too. So, uh, yes, that game is expected to uh, take place after the Atlanta at Green Bay contest. Yeah, we're not postponing it far enough that we're going to get Cam versus Mahomes, so I'm not happy about it. Um, all right. I, I will say, let, like, I want to keep an eye in that game on Damian Harris, who is to be activated from IR. I just want to see... If everybody's playing and, you know, obviously Brian Hoyer is likely to be under center, um, I am interested to see how that backfield shakes out and if he is going to see um, out of the gate a solid number of snaps. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on in terms of that. You say it perfectly often. You know, you don't want to have to guess. It is a messy guess to decide which of these running backs are going to receive the bulk of the touches, except you have to do it. Like, you have to try or you cannot, and then you can, in fact, sit down and not pivot to any of the things. Matt, you have an article that you publish every Monday, every Sunday night. It files. What? Uh, what's the leadoff tonight? Can you tease it for us, please? Oh, it'll be something from this exciting 8-7 contest that I'm looking at right now, Sunday Night Football, between the Eagles and 49ers. Um <laughs> Nick Mullins not looking uh, as as hot as we would like, but Brandon Ayuk nice rushing touchdown. So maybe I'll talk about. I don't know. I'm I'm lo- looking at the screen right now. I have no idea what the hell I'm going to talk about from this game, but it'll be something from this um, I mean, barn burner. Here. You're obviously going to talk about Greg Ward. Can't re- wait to read those fire takes. All right, podcast. We have lots of podcasts at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. One more thanks to Planters. Andy and Scott will be back tomorrow morning to talk pickups. Until then, we're out. No secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. 
Auto Trader.